Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to another edition of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. This is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. I'm joined, as always, by Frank Pirelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Pretty good, sir. Pretty good. So today we're going to talk about uh, law enforcement reform and as it pertains to our 2024 State of the Industry Projection Summary. Um, you know, this survey that we put out each year uh, basically gets an idea of how officers see their jobs changing and what they um, foresee uh, happening in, in the next year, and in this case, uh, 2024. So Frank, if you could talk a little first just about... Um, the summer, the uh, projection summary itself. Uh, we've been doing this for quite a while now, a few, more than a few years, and you know what what the whole uh, the idea of this was when it began and how we use it today. So yeah, this is. I think we've been at it about eight years now, um, and the whole idea was that there's plenty of places you can go online and get reference information about budgets and manpower and other stuff three or four or five years ago, but was there any place you could go and get information on what people thought was coming? And, and not just wild guesses, but had reasonable expectations. So uh, we put this together as um, a way of asking command staff and chiefs, it was who we targeted. We got other responses, but specifically we wanted those command staff and chiefs to, to let us know what they thought was coming in their next year budget. Now, the cool part is this, we do this in July, August every year, and the 2024 budget for a lot of municipalities and a lot of counties actually started in July. So it wasn't guesses. It was, they knew when we asked them as a question, as an example, is your budget going to increase or decrease? And by what percentage? Um, they knew some of those answers were not, I think it's going to increase, but it did increase or it did decrease. And we get that feedback. For some of them, they're in the budget uh, planning process because their budget runs with the federal budget starting October 1st is a new budget year. And then there are the people that really are trying to figure out what might be coming. They're kind of reading the tiles, if you were, uh, because their budget doesn't actually start until January 1 of 24. But they'll be doing their budget planning now uh, in October, November. So some of them may have had some input back in August, but that was kind of the idea. Let's let's figure out what does the the next year of budget hold for law enforcement, and that's why we did it the way we did it. And as we go through this, um, for example, you have the the group that responded to identify their largest area concerns um, yep. that they think would have an impact on. Um, on these services and equipment that they purchase uh, or budget for, for the coming year and active shooter slash active killer events uh, was by far the largest at uh, 84%. And then um, below that was increased attacks on officers, which is uh, almost 67%. And then riots, uh, civil disorder events at 38%. How, um, you know, in, in past surveys, how is this stacked up? Is it uh, pretty similar? Um, I, I failed to mention that medical health outbreak events, i.e. COVID, uh, and other things like it, it came in at like 
So how um how does this stack up to like past years? So I mean, you know, the the, the concern about active shooter events isn't going away, obviously. Yeah. Um the the concern about health outbreaks and so on um is is different. Um it, it was obviously it was a much greater concern in 2020 when COVID was on everybody's mind, and now it's not as much, obviously. Um, we, we have seen this increase of attacks on officers and ambush events. And uh, I, I hate to say that's not going away, but unless the society outlook, societal outlook changes, I don't think it's really going to go away. Um, obviously, we're not seeing as many riots and civil disorders events now as we did uh, in the heyday of BLM and defund the police and all that. So, I mean, I think... It's changing what the changes that we see predicted in the answers are reasonable. So when we look further into this, um, you know, budget uh, growth and uh, anticipations, um, salary, uh, there was almost a 68% of respondents said that they, uh, they anticipate having budget increases when it comes to salary. And as uh, noted in here, you know, that that's a strong indicator of the ongoing challenge for recruiting and retention in the law enforcement field. So, yeah, I, I guess you would say that that's, you know, it's a good thing <laughs> that they're expecting to increase your salary. Um, but, but that, that also shows that, um, you know, agencies have to keep, increasing what they can offer to be able to compete um, with other agencies and other uh, fields, honestly, out there. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, uh, everybody out here right now is hoping they get a cost of living increase or they, they get a merit increase or they get whatever. You know, inflation's how high right now? Everything's 8 10% more than it was last year. If you get a 3% pay increase, you still lost 5% of your buying power or more. Um, and with when you look at uh, the big challenges that law enforcement's having right now in recruiting and retention, and yes, absolutely, the competitiveness between agencies, um, it's imperative that agencies be able to pay competitively for their area. And um, what I mean by that is uh, somebody in the western half of Texas might not get paid the same amount as somebody in New Hampshire. Different locales, different costs of living, different, a whole lot of stuff. Um, but those people in Western Texas, if it's a municipality, they're competing with the county for personnel. The county's competing with the state. Uh, they're all competing with federal services. So they have to be able to, com to pay competitively and offer competitive um, benefits packages. Otherwise, they're, they're just always going to be a stepping stone agency. Now, some agencies have embraced that stepping stone theory and they they have a reputation as being a great agency to start with uh and and then other agencies recruit out of them and and that that's that could be a good thing if you're looking for a job nobody else is hiring this guy is and he's great you know you're going to get another job offer in two or three years fantastic so some people play that card some agencies do um but it, it's any agency right now that's trying to cut salary or benefits is shooting themselves in the foot. They're just they're just going to hurt themselves badly when it comes to recruiting and retention fight. And it is definitely it's a battle for, for them to maintain strength. We also talk about um, 
the allocation of anticipated budget decreases. And in this case, I, I think the most respondents said that it would uh, it was like 49.7% of respondents said other equipment yep. um, would be where they would see the most decreases. Uh, can you talk about that category of other equipment? What did we uh, really have within that? So when you look at that, that list of things with the budget decreases, we have fleet, training, less lethal tools, uniforms, salary, community outreach, and firearms. So that other equipment, that is radios, that is fire extinguishers, that might be first aid or medic stuff. I mean, it, it's the, the plethora of other things that every officer or every patrol vehicle should have that maybe you don't list it separately as a different item. Um, it, it might be dispatch equipment or, I mean, that they, they could just be cutting back on office supplies. Um, that other equipment does cover a wide range of things, but I like the fact that 50% of the respondents who said, yes, we anticipate budget decreases, were taking it out of that other equipment and not out of salary, not out of training. Um, I, I hate to see training cut. It's usually one of the first things sacrificed and obviously, like we just discussed in today's world, if you're cutting salary, you're really hurting yourself. Uh, 16%, though, of the people who said they're anticipating budget decreases were allocating some of that decrease to salary. Now, that might be cutting positions. It might be cutting pay. Um, and then 41% said training. So I, I hate to see the number that high. I'd love to see that training down to zero. But, you know, um, if, if half of them are going to other equipment First, at, at least there's a hope on the training and on the salaries uh, and the other equipment. Yeah, when it comes to anticipated uh, sworn strength adjustments, it looks like most of respondents said that they expect an increase versus a decrease in uh, sworn strength, which is definitely uh, good to see. And I guess the question is always, can you fill those positions once you have them um, with all the issues with recruitment? Right. We go on here with um, patrol equipment um, expectations with the uh, authorized slash issued uh, handgun here. Um, when respondents were asked to indicate uh, what the approved issue handgun was for the agency, uh, they could check all that applied and so when we look at this, Frank, uh, Glock's the highest at 78%. Um, yep. It looks like SIG uh, Sawyer is and SIG Arms is 22.5%. Smith & Wesson is at 19 And um, yeah, everybody else is kind of neck and neck after that. Springfield Armory is in there at uh, uh, 7.69. Have we seen this change? with uh with the authorized handguns or has it pretty much uh stayed the same well no we've seen some changes but uh they're they're kind of predictable and kind of not um glock has always since we've been doing this for the last eight, eight years glock has always had the majority of the market share sometimes showing as low as 60 percent. this one's really high at 78 percent. i think it really depends on who's answering and we have to remember that you know they can check all apply. So some agencies, bigger agencies like LAPD, they issue a handgun, but they authorize other handguns. So Glock is is just maybe authorized in a lot of places, even if it's not the issued handgun. Um, Sig Arms, Sig Sauer, when they 
uh, got the Army contract for the M17. Uh, the SIG P320 was adopted by a lot of agencies, and, and they picked up a good chunk of market share. Smith & Wesson still doing great with their M&P 2.0 uh, and the variants of that. Some of these other guns, uh, I mean, you know, Beretta used to have a much, much larger chunk, and I know they're trying to get some of that market share back. FN makes the new LAPD gun, and I expected to see them growing stronger and, and taking uh, more share. Uh, the Springfield Armory Prodigy and the Staccato 1911-style handguns in 9mm, they're coming on strong. I expected to see them taking bigger share. It's just you never know what's going to – how – how it's going to impact the results that we show based on where the agencies are, where the officers are, they're responding from what agencies. But it, it, Glock owning two-thirds or more of the market share has not changed, I don't think, in the last 10 or 20 years. Um, it really surprises me that we had that 78% this year. But like I said, I think it's because so many agencies also authorize it, even if they're not issuing it. When it comes to other uh, types of firearms, uh, patrol rifles, rifles uh, almost 85% um, of respondents indicated that their agency either issues or authorizes patrol rifles. Shotguns, uh, about 65% indicated that their agency issues or authorizes shotguns. Um, how have we seen the use of rifles and shotguns uh, change? I know you've been a big advocate of uh, shotguns for patrol. Um, how has that changed recently? Well, so there used to be a time prior to active shooter events where rifles just weren't that common in a patrol vehicle. Uh, shotguns were the go-to long gun just for the, the versatility of ammunition and ease of use, dependability, durability. Um, and, and I think where law enforcement made the mistake was that when we started putting rifles in the cars, patrol rifles, active after Columbine, after the attacks of 9-11, we started to see a need to arm our officers a little bit better with uh, weapons that had a little more engagement range on them. Um, I think our mistake was we took shotguns out and replaced them with rifles when what we should have been doing was simply adding the rifles in. So we saw shotguns take a big hit, and now they're coming back. Uh, it, I don't want to say strong, but they are making a comeback. Um, you know, two-thirds of the agencies out here still authorize or issue a shotgun. Um, but it's just a kicker though. 35% of agencies don't issue or authorize a shotgun. That's purely rifle in those agencies. 85% uh, of these agencies authorizing or issuing patrol rifles, that, that's a good number. I'd like to see it be 100%, but there's a training and an ammo cost attached to that. So some agencies just may not. Um, but... 12% uh, of the people, the agencies asked if they anticipated additions to their patrol rifle program in 2024, 12% said yes. So we're probably going to see that 85% number grow next year. When it comes to electronic control weapons, such as the taser, uh, other of the recipients about um, was 84% indicated uh, that their agency issues um electronic control weapons that's a lot when you consider you know even like 20 years ago um that it's grown exponentially uh do you think that that number is gonna continue to hold and be so high oh it's gonna go it's gonna go up i mean when we yeah. asked the question 
and almost 22% said they anticipate an increase in their electronic control weapons inventory and program for 24. Um, you know, 84% of, of uh, agencies out here, officers out here have an electronic control weapon such as a taser. I think that's a great thing. I, I'm glad to see it being increased. And I'll tell you what, uh, I might have to add this question. The number of agencies out here that are going to upgrade from the X-26 mm -hmm. to the uh, Taser 10. Um, Taser 10 is a whole new, whole new tool, completely different as agencies start to use that and see the strengths of it. I think we're going to see that that number start to grow even faster. But I'm glad to see what it is, and I think we are going to see growth in that area. I don't think anybody's going away from it. Taser's got a new program where they're they're called Moonshot. They're trying to reduce reduce the number of firearms discharges by police officers, the number of shootings police officers have to be in, um, and they have I don't have the information in front of me. They have a time limit on this on this program. They have a, they have a goal for percentage of reduction. They have a time limit on it, and they just launched it at ICP. Um, the program and all the numbers. It's called Moonshot for the people who want to check it out. I think it's an excellent concept. Um, and Taser is uniquely positioned to be uh, sometimes an optional tool for force use in the right circumstances. Of the other less lethal tools, 82.64% uh, of respondents indicated that their agency issues OC or chemical weapon products uh, to the officers. And 70, um, almost 72% indicated that their agency issues a collapsible or fixed baton to their officers. Um, one last area we'll look at here is uh, body cameras. You know, this technology, of course, is you know, within the last 10 years even has gone up a lot in usage of, uh, of LE agencies. And now the response, it was 64% uh, um 76 to 100 percent uh when asked about the percentage of patrol officers that were currently equipped uh with body cameras um the second in that was agencies that had less than 25 percent of their officers um uh equipped it was about 26 percent so on the high end you know that 76 percent to 100 percent it was a large number of the respondents and then it was you know a the rest of that was pretty much within the lower end of less than 25%. Is this kind of what you've seen too, Frank, that either, uh, you know, a department has full buy-in um, or, you know, they, they don't at all. Well, yes, this is typically what we see. We see yeah. usually see a large percentage agencies got 76 to hundred um, percent. And some of their officers may be serving positions where they don't need them. Right. Um, the, the people, the, the sworn officers, say, in New York that are working a desk, taking phone calls uh, for complaints or whatever, they don't need a body camera. So the, the agency may have 100 percent of their patrol assigned officers with body cameras, but not 100 percent of their officers. The other side of that is anybody who's not in a uniform, right? You got somebody who's working plain clothes, uh, undercover detectives, whatever it is, they're not wearing a body camera anyway. It's, it's not a sign. So we're never going to see. 100%. I think two-thirds is, is pretty good. I think it'll probably go up. Uh, we did see um, a 23% response indicating a planned increase in body camera usage. So I I think these numbers are pretty standard, and I don't, I don't think we're going to see them change a whole lot, Paul. Um, 
before we move on, I do want to go back. You mentioned the other less lethal tools, 83% with OC or chemical weapon, 72% with a collapsible or a fixed baton. Again, as far as from my outlook, the only people who shouldn't be carrying those things or would have the option would be plain clothes or undercover. I mean, if you're a patrol officer and you don't have an OC or chemical weapon on your person, you don't have a collapsed baton, fixed baton on your person, the agencies really drop the ball bad. So I hope that's where we're not seeing the 100% uh, is in uh, non-uniform personnel. So yeah, that pretty much concludes the uh, the survey, Frank. And, you know, just looking over it, um, is there anything that really stood out to you? Something that, uh, you know, that, that made you think differently? Maybe something that you haven't seen uh, in the past in these surveys? Well, it's something that's caught my eye over the last eight years um, you know, we, we ask questions about fleet, uh, fleet composition, fleet, you know, vehicle replacement and all that. And SUVs, um, whether they're the midsize or full-size SUVs, uh, and the use of pickup trucks has really grown. Um, when you look at what's going on now in the industry, uh, the Dodge Chargers no longer being made starting in 24. And we're almost to the point where all you're going to have is SUVs and pickup trucks. Uh, as patrol vehicle options. Um, but for the 2024 year, 70% of agencies anticipate either adding or replacing patrol vehicles. I don't think that number is ever going to change. Um, but then we 13% of agencies said they're, they're taking patrol vehicles out of service and they're not replacing them. So um, I, I hate to see that. I mean, that, that's one out of 10 vehicles coming out of service without being replaced. Um, that means that the other 90% are just going to get worn out. They're just going to get beat up bad. So uh, other than that option, uh, that observation, Paul, I, I think this is a, a pretty standard survey response to what we see for the projection. I think it's full of good news for law enforcement for 2024. Uh, and that means good news for the industry, right? That means people who generate products for the industry can look forward to uh, law enforcement continuing to grow and supporting that industry in 2024. I'd like to thank everyone for joining on us on this episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. Um, once again, if you have any questions for us, any suggestions, you can reach out to us at editors at officer.com and take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.